Hello, and welcome to episode two of Transforming 45. Uh, today, I am so excited to welcome my guest, Sarah Lodge. Uh, Sarah has been part of my life for the majority of these 45 years, so it seems very fitting that she is here today on the second episode and to talk about this phase of life that I can't actually believe we're in, but here we are. So um, I'd like to welcome Sarah. She is a holistic nutritionist. And today we are going to be talking about menopause and the impact menopause has on our bodies, how it changes, how we feel at home in our bodies and what we can do to work through this phase. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Lisa. It's been a long time since we've... Uh chatted. <laughs> yeah, but this is the first time we've actually had a conversation. We've been connected on social media for a while, but actually spoken yeah. to each other since like the 90s, I would imagine. Yes, uh, that <laughs> was a while ago, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Longer than I would like to believe. Yes. <laughs> um, so I remember meeting you in elementary school. I feel mm -hmm. like, did you move to Meaford at some point, like around grade seven? No, I was in Meaford always, but I think um, I went to, if you remember, SVE. So I think we went to different elementary schools. And yes. then I came to MCS in uh, grade six. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that is when we connected because I went to Meaford Community School. So, yeah. yeah, that's when our community all comes together is that grade six year. Yeah. <laughs> and I always remember you as being so free and like completely embodied in who you were. And I was actually a little bit afraid of you, especially in high school, not because you were scary at all, but because you were so, from my perspective, you were so confident and you were so sure and you were so free of yourself. And um, I did not feel that way. Oh. Yeah, and it's so funny because like anybody that would remember me from high school or from Meaford in general, like I've, I've always been very, a large personality. Um, and I really didn't hold many things back. I was quite hyper as well. Um, so that's definitely what a lot of people would see on the outside. I mean, I'm still exactly that way. I'm definitely more mature and a little bit more subdued, <laughs> but uh, still that same sort of exuberant attitude. During that time though, I actually had like self-esteem issues and self-confidence issues, which often, um, as you know, sometimes can, people will mask that with like outward behavior, like such as mine. Um, so those were things that I actually worked on through the years, however, that sort of personality that you see is now the same, but with the confidence and self-esteem behind it. However, that took like 25 years to, to create. <laughs> yeah. I uh, know. Wouldn't it be so nice if we could go back to ourselves or teenage selves and say, we all feel the same way. We yes. are all struggling with the same thing. And if we could just talk to each other about it. It would be such a more um, genuine community. Yeah. And at the same time, Lisa, I always looked up to you because you were so smart. And I'm like, I just can't, I just can't articulate things like that. Like if it's not creative, 
I can't do it. <laughs> well, look at the way we have leveraged our skills to where we are now. So, know, right? That's, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So tell me your story. How did you get to where you are now? Um, so I went, um, because of being from a small town, um, and being on the dramatic side, I was definitely wanting to get out of there as soon as possible. So I left and went away to school. Um, and then I found myself always in management positions. Like admin, I went to school for business and, um, I thought I wanted to be like a CEO and in corporate sort of world. When I got into the business program, I really kind of decided that wasn't for me. I had too much of a, I wanted to be with people um, and be on the lighter side of things. So I did go into various management positions um, and then I found myself in Toronto and I was running a few uh, GNC, which is General Nutrition Centers um, in the Toronto area. And um, it was very corporate, uh, but that is where I started to go into nutrition. So you would work with a lot of um, fitness representatives coming in. They were bodybuilders or figure models. Um, so that's where my sort of, I guess, desire for health and nutrition sort of uh, to educate myself sort of came in. Growing up, I was always into healthier eating and I would cook for my brothers and sisters and it was always something really healthy off like a cooking show. So I feel like it was kind of just naturally there. Um, so then I dove into education, but I was single. I was working up to 60 hours a week. So I was doing um, schooling at the same time and it took a, a little bit longer than I anticipated. <laughs> but at the same time, I had been diagnosed with IBS, like irritable bowel syndrome, when I was 19. Back then, they didn't really have any, like naturopaths weren't really a thing that they recommended. Nutritionists, like you rarely heard about them. Um, so it was more about me having to research and trial and error a lot of different things, diets, um, to see if I could stabilize the IBS symptoms. Mm -hmm. So when I... Um, graduated, I decided to make my niche um, digestive health because it is something that I did a lot of trial and error on, a lot of education research um, on that. So I dove into the digestive aspect of it. Um, and then in 2019, I started because I had been working like with um, like at sports medicine centers and as a chiropractic assistant. So I was doing various health modalities, but I wasn't working for myself. And then, and I was helping other people grow their business. And I thought, hmm, why am I doing this? So and then 2019, I started my own practice. I started online initially. And then over the last year and a half, I started joining um, the community. I work out of a clinic part-time in the city I'm living in. And um, starting to do a lot of workshops, I just became a uh, sports team nutritionist for one of the local sports teams around um, Kitchener-Waterloo. Mm -hmm. And um, then my practice did sort of expand to the mind-gut connection. Um, living with anxiety myself, I realized the effect over years of research that 
the mind and the gut are connected. So always having anxiety, no wonder my stomach was always upset. So a lot of personal history goes into the research and protocols that I um, give to my clients. And so that sort of led me to where I am now. And um, basically I'm wanting to go educate the community and a little bit less online stuff, <laughs> if that makes sense. So that's a long, uh, long short story about how I got here. And also um, I started my business. Basically, I finished my education just about a month before I had my son. So <laughs> that was fun times. Yeah. And that's what we do as women, right? We take on so many roles and we, it, ta it takes time for us to really find ourselves because we're, ser we're in service to so many people um, in our world, which can be really yeah. challenging. Um, so why don't we start talking about menopause? Like you said at the mm -hmm. beginning, I can't believe that we're, you know, 45 and we're actually here at this stage in life. I still, a lot of the time feel like I'm 16, but here we are. Me too. This is our, this is our reality. <laughs> and this morning I woke up with my legs drenched in sweat, like literally rivers of sweat running down my legs. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, here it is. It's coming. <laughs> in action. So can you talk a little bit about what, what is happening hormonally in the body as menopause starts and progresses? Yeah, so I always start with the perimenopausal state because that's always sort of our first indication that things are coming. Not very often hormonally do people just jump into menopause first, um, without feeling the effects of perimenopause, mm -hmm. which of course is like get ready for your body to start to change. <laughs> yeah. Now, some doctors will, um, because I was kind of probably about four years ago after I had my son, um, I was like, I think I'm going through menopause. And the doctor's like, no. And I'm like, but I'm having night sweats. My periods are irregular. My moods are all over the place. And he's like, oh, that's just, you know, postpartum stuff <laughs> so um basically it starts with that and yes it can um mimic sort of postpartum stuff not everybody gets the hot flashes and night sweats but um things like breast tenderness um concentration difficulties and recently i just um came across uh it was actually on tiktok embarrassing to say but um <laughs> she was <laughs> she was an obgyn and she said, do you have an itchy scalp? Are your legs and your ears itchy? And um, or do you have dry eyes? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's been happening, <laughs> right? And those are all signs of perimenopause or an extreme hormonal imbalance. So that is something to pay attention to and where people might not link those um, symptoms to it being perimenopause, yeah. in fact. Those are other symptoms, right? My ears, yeah, well, been, my ears have been itchy for months and I have been, well, I, and I have no ideas, no idea reason. I had no idea why. So that yeah. is really helpful. It's another symptom. And, you know, one of the beautiful things about social media and TikTok for all of their evils 
it also is bringing more information because I know many of my friends that I've spoken to who have gone to a doctor through the traditional medical, um, it's not always given the care and understanding because medicine has come from a very male dominated world. Mm -hmm. Researchers right. were male, practitioners were male, and yes, women are are coming up and are and are moving into those roles. But there is so much research that needs to be done that was never done because why would menopause be important to a man? No, yeah. exactly. And how could he like actually the male doctor actually understand the feelings that are coming? through experiencing menopause unless they researched you know x amount of women to get the various symptoms i think they're probably just going with the the basic most common mm -hmm. and that's why you don't hear about these like itchy ears dry eyes um mostly we associate it to like our periods changing right yeah and the hot flashes yeah yeah so basically perimenopause is just kind of setting you up for that um the bigger part, which is menopause. Of course, that's going to cause a lot of changes. And like you said, hormonal changes is uh, number one. So when you hit menopause, you your estrogen declines, right? right. Your estrogen, progesterone, the things that stabilize you, um, uh, regulate you, like your periods, all that, which regulate your hormones, your mood, also your sleep patterns, everything gets completely disrupted. Um, menopause symptoms start to happen. Um, it decreases our bone health as well as our estrogen. We start to get blood sugar imbalances. Um, and then of course the hot flashes. So those are some major signs and obviously your period, um, will go away. So of course then, you know, well, if you don't have a period, you, your body, obviously every month cycles through and that's how your hormone regulates your body or your hormones regulate your cycle. Um, and sort of over 45 years or how long you've had your period, you're kind of used to this cycle. But then when you hit menopause, those hormones are out of whack. So you can imagine the things that happen to your body, right? So one of them, the main one is a lot of people, um, they notice the weight gain. They're like, oh, well, I'm eating exactly the same way I've always ate, but now I can't lose weight. <laughs> right? So that sort of um, dives us into another topic. But yeah, hormones, because our estrogen declines, um, but we can still balance it. And the most important thing to balance that is your diet. So you cannot eat the same way you did before. That's the bottom line. <laughs> So, yeah, and that there's so many things wrapped up around that idea of weight gain, right? Like, it, in some ways, I almost feel shame around talking about it at this point in time, because, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much work around loving our bodies as they are and loving our bodies as they change and evolve over time. And at the same time, we need to be able to feel comfortable and at home in our bodies. And that looks different for everyone. So I feel most at home and comfortable in my body when I, when I am strong, um, when I am, 
at, I, I never weigh myself. I always just go by how my clothes fit. Uh, but there yeah. definitely is a place where I feel most comfortable and most at home in my body because I know my body is working for me when I'm at that place. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. So I think when we talk about weight gain and those changes that happen in our body, it's important to talk about that and take the shame away from it and knowing that we all do have a place where we feel most at home. So, well, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what are the best ways to fuel our bodies then when we're talking about nutrition and how we're eating, what are some strategies that we can use to feel at home and comfortable? Yeah, so definitely, um, we know that menopause is causing the hormonal changes, but those alone is, aren't what causes the weight gain. Um, it's usually related to our aging. Unfortunately, this is not an answer that people are going to like, <laughs> but it's usually related to aging as well as lifestyle and genetic um, predisposition. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, genetics play a lot of role in things, but what we can do is lifestyle. So we are definitely in control of that. So for me, when I work with menopausal women, it's all about the diet. So um When you go through menopause, the loss of estrogen um, increased the risk for osteoporosis. So our calcium and magnesium levels decline as well. Mm -hmm. Boo. But um, so we're making sure that our food uh, sources are very high in calcium, magnesium. Often supplementation is good if, um, especially if you're like vegan or you have a lactose intolerant tolerance, then getting it through supplementation is going to be your best bet. But um, as a holistic nutritionist, we are food first. So if you can really um, make sure that you're getting the ample amount of calories for your age, for one, but that the foods that you're eating are very nutrient dense with the foods that you need to help maintain or stabilize hormonal balance. Um, So calcium, magnesium is number one. Protein, um, as we age just in general, our protein needs increase because this is going to help maintain our muscle mass so that we don't become those saggy older people. (laughs) You know, yeah, I I hate to say it like that, but just like a bunch of skin hanging off bones because the that um, to me is um, when I see that is a lack of protein in the diet. So you, because then your body just starts to feed off your, to keep you alive, starts to feed off your muscles and your bones. If you're not putting in the proper amount of protein, right? Fats and carbs as well. Yeah. Is that also where the role of weightlifting is also really important or weight bearing exercise because the research I've been doing lately is really, really clear about just how essential it is for every human and women in particular to engage in weight bearing exercise. Absolutely. Because we want to, you want to have muscles still when you're like, and it's not like, and I know a lot of women when they think or see, hear about muscles, they think like bodybuilder type, and they're afraid that they're going to build and look like a man, but that's just not how women's bodies work. Yeah. But having muscle mass on and feeding your body with protein is going to help you. It's going to help with stabilization 
as you age. It's going to help with your body having proper fuel, like your energy levels without leaching it from your bones and your muscles. So it's very important that your body can utilize the foods that you're eating Mm -hmm. and foods like your healthier fats are going to give you more longevity, more energy through the day, as well as protein, right? So it's key. Of course, as we age, our caloric intake goes down, but you, you still need to maintain a higher amount of protein as you move into menopause and move into those next stages of life. So, um, and then the next thing is to like eating properly, like the right amount of protein, fats and carbs helps to stabilize your blood sugar. When your blood sugars are spiking, that's when your, your weight gain stays on. If you're not eating enough, then your body's going to store fat as an energy source and weight gain is going to inevitably happen. Right. So you can see where your diet plays a key role in what's going to happen to you perimenopause, postmenopause, and then into old age. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then your healthy fats, of course, um, is again going to stabilize your blood sugar and help you maintain um, or sort of manage your appetite um, because healthier fats are going to make you feel fuller longer. They are, like I said, a more uh, long-term energy source. So then you're not eating empty calories and filling yourself with empty calories, therefore contributing to weight gain and then putting you at risk for different diseases like heart disease, breast cancer, etc. Right. Um, and so, you know, sources of healthy fats are like avocados, your extra virgin olive oil, fish, most seafoods, um, hemp seeds, chia seeds, which we'll get a little bit more into specific nutrition, um, as we move on, because there is no one, one size fits all really for any sort of plan for menopause. Like if I'm giving you a menopausal plan versus Susie down the road, it's going to look completely different, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's no, no real generic. The, the generic is you need protein, fats, and carbs, and here are some healthy source, sources, but everything should be a little bit more individualized because people are going through various fluctuations mm-hmm. um, through perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, that's one of the really fascinating things, right? Our bodies mm-hmm. are such complex systems that are also completely integrated, that we can't just look at one element of it, right? Like we can't just talk about a hormonal change without talking about how that, you know, we've talked about every single system in our body just in these last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that individual component is so essential because every every woman I have spoken to experiences menopause in a different way. And- right. um, just to circle back to what you were saying earlier about that genetic component, one of the things that has tied you and I together over the mm-hmm. last few years in particular is that you and I have both lost our moms um, right. earlier than we should have. So, <laughs> yeah, in, in my first episode, I talked about losing my mom and she was 52. But when she was in her early 30s, she'd had a miscarriage and had to have a hysterectomy. And so I don't have any real um, 
guidepost for what menopause was like for her. So mm-hmm. I am navigating these waters completely on my own. So being able to work with someone who has skill and knowledge is is really important to help me navigate this time. For sure. Like preventative is the best medicine. So when we know we're at a genetic um disposition. So like my mom had cardiovascular disease Mm -hmm. and uh, a coronary artery disease, which eventually led to a second heart attack and ultimately passing. So if I didn't research myself on, okay, what are some preventatives to um, reducing cardiovascular disease for myself? Because I'm already predispositioned, right? so like if I were to be smoking and drinking and eating fatty foods and not exercising, I'm probably 95% going to end up with a heart attack, <laughs> right? But if I'm taking care of myself, like even when going through menopause, uh, you are at higher risk for cardiovascular disease if you're not taking care of yourself because of those blood sugar spikes, the hormonal um, instabilization, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, just knowing, um, you know, maybe your mom, like with um, going through menopause early and having a hysterectomy early, like you said she had a hysterectomy, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, Going through that, like what, you know, what led her into that path faster? Like, how was her lifestyle before? How did she eat? What Was she genetically dispositioned, right? Right. So knowing all that information and then cueing in, like, preventative measures is going to be key for you. Just the same as I do with um, cardiovascular stuff. Like, I'm really super up on what the new research is and what Mm -hmm. could it possibly be. And then especially going into perimenopause, I'm like, okay, I got to take care of my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because it's all connected. It is. While we're here and talking about this aspect, how does, what is the different impact on the body and heading into menopause through having a medical intervention, like, uh, like a hysterectomy or someone who's experiencing chemotherapy and cancer treatment and suddenly (laughs) finds themselves in menopause? Yeah, so um, the first thing you're going to want to do really quickly is um, learn what happens to your body after a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like if your your uterus is removed, obviously in that position, what fills that space? It's your intestines. People right. don't know that. <laughs> no, right? Know. So, yeah, doing pelvic floor exercises to make sure that you're still you want to stabilize all that stuff. So, um, because a lot of people will get, um, UTIs because everything's then sitting down lower. So there's that aspect too. And then, um, the, you know, it, your hormones, the regulation of your hormones, because your estrogen is going to decline, um, everything that your uterus and your ovaries were responsible for, um, are no, are no longer there to regulate your body. So a lot of people go through uh, mood instability. A lot of gastrointestinal issues start to show up. Um, loading, gas, obviously, because now there's more expansion, more room for your 
intestines to fill up with air. <laughs> um, yeah, constipation is another one and um, just straining in general for a bowel movement mm -hmm. uh, because there's more space again for everything to have to travel through. And if you're not eating a healthy diet, then, and you're not keeping up on your um, healthy gut microbiome, you're just going to naturally get backed up because unfortunately that's uh, a side effect of having the hysterectomy. Right. Um, but say if you were all of a sudden you, um, because like you said, going through uh, radiation or cancer treatments, mm -hmm. um, your uterus is still intact, but it's um, basically fried your hormones, if you will, yes. because I'm a straight person, <laughs> um, then you have to make sure that you are replacing those. Now, a lot of um, Western medicine is going to have like hormonal replacement therapy type of uh, medicine, which eventually down the road will have side effects. So there is a lot of um, methods that you can do naturally because you need to Again, the estrogen is probably low. When your estrogen declines, your gut microbiome declines. If you're not taking care of your gut health, your mental health, because again, those two are connected. That's a huge other topic. <laughs> but it's say if you're not taking care of those, well, you have just all of a sudden been put into menopause and you're still very young, um, then you want to make sure that all of like your gut health, your lifestyle, everything um, and then just like a natural uh, hormone um, regulator. So you can do that through supplementation. Also through your foods. Uh, one of the biggest ones that's focused on as a nutritionist with menopause or uh, perimenopause is like your phytoestrogen. So basically phytoestrogens, which come from plant-based plant food sources, um, and they basically mimic estrogen. So making sure that you get a lot of phytoestrogens into your body via food and supplementation is going to be extremely helpful. Okay. So again, very, very individualized, but um, anybody that's all of a sudden in menopause should definitely, first of all, make sure that they research or reach out to a professional to what's actually going on in their body. Yeah, I've never heard of phytoestrogen. So there are two terms that I want to dive into here a little bit uh, because yeah. we've been using the term gut microbiome. And I feel like that is language that's fairly new into the social lexicon. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and not a lot of people might be familiar with it. So let's talk about that and also phytoestrogen because I haven't heard of that before. And what are some really good sources for phytoestrogen? So maybe let's start with that because it's a, what are great sources for phytoestrogen? And then let's talk about the microbiome. Yeah, so uh, phytoestrogens, like I said, are uh, plant-based. So you're gonna find them most in soy, um, tofu, tempeh, miso-based type products. Okay. Um, they're also found in like legumes, um, those are the main sources. So whenever I'm building a, a diet, like a hormone balancing diet, those are some of the main sources that I put in um, to there because they also have uh, probiotic and prebiotic benefits, which then that ties into the gut microbiome. So mm -hmm. if, if you want to, microbiome can almost sound like a, a very sciencey word. So basically I just say good bacteria. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> the good bacteria in your gut. Because we have a lot of bad bacteria coming in through various channels like our environment, um, drink, you know, drinking alcohol, stress, stress definitely declines the good bacteria in your body and helps mm-hmm. to and, and will elevate the bad bacteria. So you need to make sure you have enough good to combat what's coming in through other sources, right? And yeah. then obviously if you eat bad, if you eat poorly, a lot of fried foods, uh, high carbohydrates, um, it's just uh, a disaster area, really. Yeah. <laughs> You're putting up for a disaster area. So um, other things that I do with the hormone balancing diet with the phytoestrogens are going to be number one, but obviously eating plenty of vegetables and fruits are going to, your natural sugars are going to be always best. Mm-hmm. Um, your healthy fats, as we talked about earlier. Um, and then making sure, because our energy starts to decline when we're, we're having all of these symptoms too. So eating really nutrient-dense meals that are high in minerals, because again, that calcium-magnesium balance right. are things like um, oats, barley, brown rice. They're also really high in B vitamins, which are going to help with energy, right? So you can see how food really, really, really plays a role in what's happening in your body. And also that helps to keep your digestive system regular functioning. So we want to reduce um, constipation because obviously that's going to cause toxicity toxicity in the body as well. Mm-hmm. And then of course, we always hear fiber, fiber, fiber. Right. <laughs> um, often a like a Western medicine practitioner will recommend like Metamucil or something like that. Um, unfortunately, those type of products will cause like dependency and it's not a balance of the two types of fiber we need, which are insoluble and soluble fibers. Right. One helps to like draw water into the intestine. The other is going to bulk it up. So you need a balance of both because if you have too much of one, obviously you're going to be, running to the washroom right you have too much of the other and you're going to be in the washroom for days trying to go to the washroom so you, you know you need a balance and then with that balance you also need to be properly hydrated so doing all of that is going to increase your healthy gut microbiome and flush out the toxins within your stool which is what our bodies are designed to do that's mm-hmm. why i'm not a huge um detox person because if you are eating a well-balanced diet your body just uh, naturally does what it's supposed to do (laughs) right i feel like we could probably do a whole other episode just on poop um (laughs) you could probably do like 20 episodes because there's so much variety and so especially when it comes to um being able to see the connection between your mind and your gut because, you know, there's that feeling when you you walk into a room and or if you see an accident, you immediately feel it in your gut. So visually, yes. you're seeing it in your mind, but you feel it in your gut. And then you go into that like fight or flight mode, which is your sympathetic nervous system, which is going to cause a variety of digestive issues. Yeah. For one. And, um, you know, it's just realizing so if, if you're in constantly in stress what do you think your stomach's doing because there is a direct line of communication between the two and some people just don't tune into it because they're in in that fight or flight mode in a, like constantly yeah 
right? So that's a huge factor. And again, like I said, that one we would might be really good for, to touch on with a lot of people because um, not a lot of people realize that how direct that is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because that is newer research that's coming out and there's some really, there's some really interesting connections that we can make there, right? Like when I, so when I think about my gut microbiome and correct me if this is not a good visualization, but this is how I think about it. I think about mm-hmm. it as its own ecosystem, like living right in the center of my body. So, Perfect. okay, great. And <laughs> Every, everything that I feel, everything that I put into my body impacts that ecosystem. And I feel it, I felt it my whole, my whole life. And in many cases, we feel it like, um, it, it, it almost makes connections to intuition, right? When we feel, we feel like something isn't right, but traditional medicine has told us like, well, your feelings are not connected to what your body, to what your body's doing. So you can't can't just feel right. We just need to look at the symptoms, but now we understand so much more about the power of intuition and that intuition scientifically living in our guts. And so using food as medicine is so critical to keeping that healthy ecosystem and then listening when it feels like there's something happening there, listening to that intuitive feeling. Yeah, that's, that's the key. And a lot of people, because when you're in a high stress sort of environment, you're not tuning into that kind of stuff. You go, go, Mm -hmm. go until you crash. And, you know, like when you hear about people getting, all of a sudden, like you thought they were healthy and then all of a sudden, boom, they have uh, cancer and only a month to live or boom, they have a heart attack. And it's like, okay, well, what was their lifestyle factor? Were they in tune with their body? I mean, that's not the case, obviously for everybody, Mm -hmm. but when you look at those like sudden onsets and things like that, it's like how often, how long were they ignoring the signs in their body because they weren't connected? So a a big fact that a lot of people don't know is that 95% of serotonin is produced in the gut. So that's responsible for your mood stabilization, your sleep patterns, everything. Can I get you to say that one more time? Because I think it's so critical because when we hear words like serotonin, we immediately think brain. And and this is helping us to understand just how much the rest of our body really is engaged in this process. So can you, can you say that statistic about serotonin one more time? Yeah. So the statistics are 95% of serotonin is produced and stored in our gut. And then the other shock, which is responsible for our mood stabilization, our sleep patterns, um, decision-making, um, yeah, mood stabilization, which I said. And then the mm-hmm. other really big one is that 50% of dopamine, which is your feel-good hormone, is also stored in the gut. The rest is produced in the brain, but most people, again, with serotonin dopamine, mm-hmm. automatically go to the brain. So they don't think about, you know, they're like, oh, well, maybe I'll focus on brain health and I have to go to therapy to stabilize these things. But sometimes it's as much as changing your diet so that the 
like you said, the ecosystem that these amazing hormones are uh, stored in is healthy, right? Yeah, that is Mm -hmm. such a paradigm shift, I feel. That knowledge and understanding of where those chemicals that impact our our whole body, everything about how we experience the world, where those are actually generated. And it makes Mm -hmm. so much sense when we think about how we eat and how it is connected to our mood. And as we are headed and and as our bodies are completely changing and we're Mm -hmm. experiencing these shifts in how we are feeling about ourselves and how we are feeling in the world, knowing that that is coming from our gut, I feel is really empowering. It definitely is. And, um, to not get too off topic for you, but um, I just did a webinar on the gut microbiome and Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. And so now that they're actually looking into the research because Parkinson's is the decline of dopamine. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously looking at brain health. But what if the gut microbiome could help prevent, because sometimes you're genetically predispositioned, of course, Yes. For that, but they're saying now that, um, like the the horrible symptoms, like losing motor skills, um, you know, the anxiety and depression can be prevented, like prevented mm-hmm. with a healthier diet. Like, um, there's definitely a diet that's geared towards that. Um, Alzheimer's also being another one in that category. So the research is really coming out. Just how important that is. Like, can you imagine? preventative of such as a disease like Parkinson's, right? From ever having to experience the horrible symptoms. So, I mean, it's huge. That is incredible. So my dad has Parkinson's. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I probably am a higher risk of Parkinson's as well. Um, Although the area that, and this makes even more connective sense when I think about it, so the area okay. that you and I grew up in, Meaford, we know yeah. the research is there, right? It is so toxically polluted by the chemicals that were used in all the apple orchards because that's the main, that's the main source of industry in that area right. is apple production. And when I think about both my mom and my dad, my mom grew the majority of food for our family. And where we lived was right next door to an apple orchard. So all of that toxicity was in our gut microbiomes. And yeah, so for my dad, he, his was diagnosed as environmentally, environmentally induced Parkinson's. Wow. That's, that is quite interesting. Cause yeah, you, you hear a lot of people, um, from me for like my grandpa actually owned an apple orchard so he lived on it and I was there all the time (laughs) you know makes you wonder oh my gosh your environment what it how much impact it has yeah the cancer and Parkinson's rates are higher in that area than per capita than they are in the rest of the province so being but that is what's so important about being armed with this information. As we're, you yes. know, as we're aging, we are more susceptible to Parkinson's, to Alzheimer's, to the, to all of these different things. And having access to this information 
and really knowing and understanding just how interconnected our systems are is so critical. Yeah, and that's why it's up to us to get the message out there. You know, some people don't want to hear it. Some people think it's um, hokey. But if you really want to live a healthier, longer life, then prevention is is the key. Yeah, and the and the science is there to back it up. You know, some people need a little bit um, more research or a little bit more data. But why not give it a try? Because there's no side effects. The only side effect is getting better. <laughs> The only side effect is getting better. That that needs to be in a t-shirt, I feel. It does. <laughs> uh, okay, so can you tell me a little bit about your practice? So when you, a, a woman who is experiencing menopausal symptoms comes to you, what does, what does that process look like? How are you working with people? Yeah, so... Basically, um, like I said before, everybody is definitely different. So um, there's no real blanket thing, genetic or generic things that I can give anybody. I mean, we could put that out on the internet, very generic, like take these supplements, they'll help with hot flashes, eat these type of foods. But when I work with somebody, it's very customized and very individual. So we do a deep dive into their um, health background and their past. Mm -hmm. Then we also do a really big deep dive into what I call a meal planning assessment. So um, not only do we obviously remove the foods that they know they're allergic to or that they don't like um, or that are causing possible allergies in their body. I, I like to think of it too, like I don't remove things, like we just add things that are better for them. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's key things like they're smoking or drinking or something like that, I'm going to obviously say get rid of those right anything that i can see that are red flags um for what they're going through um especially menopause um then definitely we're gonna sort of try to take those out of the protocol but everything is very individualized so i create customized meal plans um so in the case of um, perimenopause or menopause i would be focusing on a hormone balancing diet um key ingredients that are going to produce like healthy uh, sex production hormones, uh, proper adrenal health, thyroid health. So anything that's basically going to balance your hormones, estrogen, progesterone, um, because you can get that through food. So um, again, a lot of those focus on the phytoestrogens that we talked about. So the plant-based mm -hmm. um, sources that mimic estrogen, your omega-3s, which are your healthy fatty acids, iodine, pro and prebiotic foods, and then of course your fiber and right. protein, because we want to make sure that we're stabilizing blood sugar to reduce um, weight, obviously, and to reduce fatigue um, so that you can actually move. Like lifestyle factors are huge. Exercise mm -hmm. is huge. Um, and again, weight training would be something I'd recommend. And yoga is another thing because regardless of this being hormone balancing, we still need to take the mind into effect. So all of my protocols um, have lifestyle uh, recommendations. And one is like major is yoga, like a meditative yoga or yoga in general for mm -hmm. moving just its benefits all over the place. And then in the meal planning assessment, um, we go through too, because when you're given a meal plan, a lot of people get intimidated. It just seems like another uh, stressor. Right. So I always tell 
people to use it as a guideline to just add some of these foods in. If you don't want to eat a protein bar at 10 o'clock that I put into the plan, then, then don't eat the protein bar at 10 o'clock, right? Use it as a, as a guideline. And then also taking in um, effect that everybody's busy. So how do you like to cook? Or like, how do you like to prepare your food? Do you want to eat the same food for a few days or do you want to have something new every single day? Um, so taking that, when they like to eat, how they like to eat, all of that plays a factor in their success with like a protocol. Mm-hmm. So we really get down to the nitty gritty and then really it's up to them to do the work, which is, you know, one of the harder parts. <laughs> It is, yeah, that is the hard part, right? Because we can have all the information, but what we really need to do is action it and actually make it work in our lives. And I think one of the things that you just said is so key is that you really consider how a person's life already is and find ways for people to integrate into what already exists. You're not asking people to completely do a 180 and change their whole lives in one second because we know that that doesn't work. It definitely does not work. And then I always um, like we'll do a check in and then make sure that they follow up with any questions. And usually in four to six weeks to make sure that um, they're not running into complications. And if they are, how can we fix it? Because this is key to your long term success. So Mm -hmm. let's fix roadblocks on the way. And then obviously I offer some longer term programs for people that really need that accountability factor. Yeah. So then I would be checking in regularly and we'd be working through all the, the hurdles, right? Because you want to uh, investing in your health and also changing lifestyle habits, depending on how bad they are, is is a work, like a work in progress. And it took you however many years to um, get those bad habits. So mm-hmm. it's not going to go away in eight weeks or 12 weeks. So you have to be very um, dedicated. Yeah. And it becomes a lifetime commitment, right? It's not just six or eight weeks. It's uh, no. this is how this is how I live now. Exactly. Yeah. And that takes time and people have to be very gentle with themselves. And that's where the, the mindset components come in with me is like, you know what? Like be gentle on yourself. Look at you're already here. Yeah. Making the effort to make changes to maybe what was um, how you lived in the past. Or what your family suffered through, right? Like you're making the changes now. So just be gentle with yourself. And give ourselves credit for that, right? We often, we we focus so much on what is, on what we perceive to be deficit. And we Mm -hmm. don't give ourselves enough permission to celebrate. Or even just to celebrate that we made it to this phase of life right? There's, yeah. We think about menopause as a deficit in so many ways. And at the same time, it means we've made it. We made it to this stage. We There are so many beautiful things that come along with this age. It's wisdom mm-hmm. and deeper empathy and connection and understanding, calling, calling back and giving ourselves permission to hold on to our own power. And so all of the information that you have given us today really helps us to do that, right? To stand in our own power and say, this is is not just happening to me. This is my life. And I have, I have some power in this. I can, there are things I can do to impact my long-term health 
mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and physical health. So I am yes. so grateful to you for the time that Thank you spent you. with us today. Um, my five takeaways are get to know as much as you can about that gut microbiome, uh, mm -hmm. phytoestrogen, eating protein, calcium, magnesium, um, and that last part that we were just talking about, making sure that we celebrate ourselves and looking at um, looking at this process as through an asset-based lens, right? We have so much that we can give to ourselves and to each other. Is there anything I missed? Oh, yes. No, I think that's, um, yeah, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. Um, and what I'll do is provide you with a resource just basically on those few things like that you touch base on and why they're important and a few um, food sources for those. So I have a resource that I'll provide for you and um, you can send out to your audience or if anybody's interested in that, um, just so they kind of have those touch points. Obviously, if they wanted more specifics, um, they could connect with me. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll put that resource and I will put your contact information in the show notes so that okay. anyone can connect with you because this is really important information. So yes. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Lisa. Have a good day. Bye. Okay. I'm coming back on video here. Go. That was awesome. <laughs> Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electrocast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast.